Are you drunk still? I'm slightly tipsy. Slightly? Slightly. Yeah, this is going to be a great podcast, everyone. And that's the intro. <laughs> <laughs> slightly tipsy. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Throwing Tantrums. This is another uh, solo podcast featuring one of the uh, assistant artistic uh, directors. We have Liz here. She's got the old lady Karen haircut, as you can see. It's called Tita. It's not Karen. It's Tita. Okay. So, uh, so this is a solo podcast. is an opportunity for me to kind of pick their brains and also for you guys to get an opportunity to know them beyond the dance and whatnot. It is cr- super crazy late right now. It is 109. It's 109. Uh, Pacific time. Pacific. Because we just went in on a bender of like on a bender. A deep conversation of like, like business, business finances and, and a whole and like what we envisioned for our businesses. It was, it was a the good kind of conversation. It was good. It was good. So I, I came here at nine. I was originally supposed to be giving a check, but now different. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, yeah, we're here. So I'm gonna let her introduce herself. Sorry, I guess name. How you guys starting to dance and dance and what you do? Or, oh man! Yeah. <laughs> well, hello everybody. My name is Lizelle Marie. I've been dancing. I live, breathe, and eat dance. I've been dancing since I was three. I loved choreographing ever since I was like in middle school and high school. And like, I, I love, I love giving that educational opportunities. Thanks to Emeroy, we hit Staples Center uh, stage together. Oh, yeah, we we also hit like all over the world. We we hit with Antics. We did like Gillette. We did Wyoming. We did. Oh my God! It's like so many states i can't even think about it like iowa like like uh, seattle like it's it's beautiful it's beautiful we also shared city walk universal studio stage together carnival choreographers ball club jete beautiful stages and i'm blessed i'm blessed and now i'm currently a professor that emroy is totally against and i am i'm very thankful that i am in that industry and education and yeah i'm very honored to be a part of this podcast anyone i mean i'm not entirely against academia but there is some yeah i mean there's some parts if you're gonna be a doctor i feel like that makes sense but if you're gonna be a graphic designer i think you're better off learning from youtube no you're right and he is absolutely right i will say that but i love but he knows me i love giving me i love giving meaningful experiences to those who don't know where to go that's true yeah so how did you get into dance and at what point did you know that you wanted to make this do a career? I'm trying to make this. This is the part where they get to fucking know about you. This is, I'm trying to, you know, you motherfucker. <laughs> I was forced into it originally by my parents because of that old school 1970 movie, Annie. Oh, wow. It's because of that show, the tap dancing show, Annie, and her inspiration of how she did tap dancing within Broadway. My mom wanted to enroll me to dance classes. And it was originally because of tap dance. It's, it's interesting. Not a lot of people know that. Uh, tap dance and then it evolved to ballet, jazz, and it, I fell in love with none of them. <laughs> oh, wow. How far? How, uh, wow. Okay. How, how long did it take for you to discover hip hop choreo? Hip hop choreo actually ended up being around middle school and high school. And mm. it ended up not being from the studios. Mm. It ended up being from 
lived experiences from family parties, music videos, the mm. music that my brother was exposed to at that time. Same thing with my older brother, Gary. And uh, it was their music and it made me love that vibe. And it was because of, of also the traditional family parties. The DJ would be playing this R&B and hip hop <laughs> music. I And Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson and watching the Grammy Awards and TRL and, and you know, the throwbacks that not a lot of this generation would know because it's it's you know you would have to use VHS to rewind and rewatch these videos so you could get the choreography on point and so I'm very honored to be a part of that generation and yeah that that's that's how I was exposed to commercial hip hop but then I wanted to dig a little deeper and once I got into college I met Marisha Griffin who is part of Lux Eterna who was a colleague of Amy cat fox oh shit <laughs> there's a connection yeah and because it was because of marisha griffin she introduced me to breaking she introduced me to locking the fundamentals of hip-hop and i fell in love with each dance form and because of that i wanted to dig a little deeper and i uh, and i decided uh, as soon as i was done with college i would audition for antics and antics made me educate myself in hip-hop history a little bit more hip-hop education and also be a part of it during the tours and it was a great experience and ever since then i just wanted to dig a lot deeper so thank you to Marcel durden i i was digging Ooh. more into the history i got my books i i got more into the conferences i got more into the conventions i dug a little bit more in the dance community i did my research that every dancer i recommend should do to find their niche and it was a blessing and i think that's what got me into being the professor i am today and i am very blessed to to be a part of that journey and throughout that i became involved in the industry in the choreographic uh, in the choreographic world and um also becoming a stage director and it's it's been a huge blessing how did you get from from like you know most people would obviously want to go to the other dancing shit but how did you want to become a professor because that's not exactly sexy it's not i will say that it's not but I wanted to, because we already know that dance studios, they have this freedom of wanting to go whenever they need to, or yeah. if they want to. And I wanted to develop a connection to people a little bit more long-term. And yes, it comes out as like, they just need this unit to graduate. They, they, it comes out to be like, yo, college professors, I'm all like, what do they know? It's taboo. Like they're, they're old school. They're like, they don't know shit that's happening. <laughs> and I'm just like, they don't know. They, they don't. And, and like, they don't know hip hop. They don't know hip hop. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, it, there has been experiences where I have seen that a lot of hip hop professors don't know. And, <laughs> and it's, and it's, That's it's so true. It's so true. And I wanted to break that stigma. I wanted to be like, yo, college professors can still be active, can still know their history. And we need to, and also as college professors, we need to let that ego go sometimes and be like, we were students first. Mm. And we we need to understand that like also students are evolving. It's mm. true. The 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 class of 2019 is not the same thing as 2020. Same yeah. thing with 2020 is not going to be the same thing as 2021. Yeah. It even made me adjust a lot more to when I graduated in 2007 and I had to teach class of 2013. 
it, it was a different generation. And so I had to adapt to that. I had to be like, what is the in and now? How can they appreciate this class now, but also acknowledge digging a little deeper and how can hip hop history and hip hop dance actually connect to their discipline? And mm. it, it became a form of life. And I absolutely loved that theory that the discipline of dance can relate to all walks of life. The discipline of hard work, not just caters to dancers, but it caters to all mm. different workers, whoever, whoever's business owners, entrepreneurs, whoever wants to succeed in the medical field, whatever it is, it, you need to work hard to get to that dream job. And it's not easy. And I also wanted to portray that like, yo, like professors know what's up. They, they really do. And even though they are trained into that old school life, they still add value to your learning. Mm. And, and that's definitely something I want to keep while teaching my students. Mm. Yeah. Not, not bad for someone who's tipsy, right? <laughs> I hope that's good. <laughs> no, I'm keeping that so. Damn it. <laughs> but you okay. always catch me when I'm tipsy. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys, uh, like, I, I recorded a previous episode a while back with a QA episode. So make sure you guys go check that out. Um, <laughs> but okay. So you wanted to do the become a professor and all that, but like you weren't driven to do any of the, the backup dancing stuff or become a choreographer for any of the shows? I would have to say my biggest passion because within research, I already knew my body type and my height was not going to become Beyonce's oh dancers. God damn, the typecast. Let, let, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm a Filipino-American, five foot two girl and also slightly wider in the hips and that's okay. I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be that background dancer. However, my my biggest goal was to hit Disney, was to hit Nickelodeon, was to hit some of those stages or theme parks. And because I knew that was my look and I was definitely okay with. And at the end of the day, I didn't see myself as a background dancer. Hmm. If I were to choose, if you asked me, who would you choose to be your background dancer? It would be Aaliyah. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, Aaliyah, because it was because of her message, because of her style. And like, but yes, I would say if you look at her dancers from Are You That Somebody or Try Again, it was definitely people who were her same body type. It was her yeah. height. And I will admit to that. But that would be the artist I would love to work with because it was all grooves at the end of the day. Oh, and God. right. And, and it was it was it felt good. And that's, and her music made me feel good Yeah. rather than wanting to be a dancer for somebody that I'm like, yo, I don't relate to your music. Why would I try? Yeah. It's true. And, and so, but I know I relate to Disney because that is my childhood. I relate to Nickelodeon because I'm just goofy like that, but, <laughs> but I know I look like that kid and I'm okay with that. And so I, I, I want to tell dancers that like acknowledge your strengths acknowledge your looks you know where you want to go and also know what you're worth and i'm i know i'm not worth background mm. did you did you kind of struggle accepting that or were you just like like i know like it, or did you already acknowledge it's like oh, whatever it's not what i wanted anyways you know i did want to be a background dancer eventually but because i i already knew that in order to be successful you needed to dig a little deeper to research on who you're going against with because the dance life is all about competition you 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 audition for a reason you need to look the part you need to typecast you need to not over how do you call it like 
I don't know what the word is. I always forget, but you, you can't overcome or outdo the artist. Yeah. You, you, you need to blend in. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, I can't do that. <laughs> That's true. I, I can't do that because no one looks like me. No one, you know, I, I'm not the original typecast and I'm very blessed to be a part of go to talent agency that I know that I do fall somewhere. I, I know I, I categorize in a roster somewhere, but I, I want to go beyond that. Like I'm thankful for go to and I'm thankful for that journey that they have been giving me. But at the end of the day, it is your worth and is, it is what you provide and what you can cater to whoever relates to you. And that is worth more than being any back. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of fire advice for people who are aspiring to go into the, the whole dance industry or do dance scene. And yeah, even now, I almost feel like the dance industry is because at the time of recording this is it's like 2021. Dance industry is fucking pr- practically in its last legs. Yeah, like huge studios are getting closed. <laughs> oh, a lot of so our friends from Disney and Universal getting laid off. Yeah. So it, it's like at this point, it's really tough industry to get in it is and and i and i will say this that's one of the reasons why i created this podcast recently mm-hmm. for art essential or not and i wanted to hear different artists of or it doesn't even have to be artists maybe it's like entrepreneurs or business people that did art in the past mm-hmm. and i don't want to be biased i do want to know their stories of like do you think that art is essential or not and and there's no right or wrong i i love knowing their stories and it's not just their stories it's a new stage it's for it's for once instead of instead of because naturally dance is a voice it's it's their way to express mm-hmm. but dancers were always known to be background but you realize that each of those dancers that are dancing behind Janet Jackson behind Christina behind Chris Brown they have their own lived experiences themselves mm-hmm. there's a reason why they got there there's a reason why they wanted to get there and those are the stories that I love digging into because those stories are the ones that really inspire people. It's not the, I mean, yes, the celebrity does add credibility. I will say that, but the journey is more. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, a lot of people, especially with art, if people often see the end product for a lot of art in general, mm-hmm. the end of a Netflix movie you watched is the end result of a final product of art. The mm-hmm. building you're in is the end result of an architect putting together along with the contractors and whatnot. The end performance from a musician is, you know, a performance on the Super Bowl or the song is the final product. No one ever sees the hard work that goes into what the artists put in. And it, art is everywhere when it comes as, I mean, I mean, the building we're in had to be designed by an artist yes. who, who, understood, who understood many aspects of not just design, but also probably physics and math feng shui and all <laughs> feng shui i'm gonna just add that. <laughs> that's art okay i, I so, don't care what do you all think it is so, art and, and there's a lot of the work that really that's a lot of people aren't understood don't understand and i feel like a lot of people more understand the traditional routes yeah which i don't know why i feel like the marketing and the branding for such like lawyers and doctors you know those are great trades to be in or mm-hmm. careers but i feel like it's a People can acknowledge the amount of work that's put into it, but at least in this moment in time, people are barely noticing the amount of of work that goes into art. Yeah, it's like it's a, it, it's a process. The, I feel like we're in the beginning conversations, 
And I feel like it might be another 10, 20 years where it's respected at the same level as a lawyer or a doctor. I think it's, I think it's, I personally think it's starting to get respected. I, I will say this, it took, it took a long time for my family to finally acknowledge that like, yo, she did it. But I also think this is also a generation of dancers expanding their knowledge of not just dance yeah you know because this pandemic has drastically changed so many different avenues of performance that we're all in this pathway of accelerated rate where we're starting to acknowledge different things about our talent like some of you some dancers are like uh, we know someone like like for example like megan and lisa incredible bakers but they're Oh yeah. Amazing dancers. Also amazing dancers. Um, amazing uh, dancers. Shout out to Megan the Menu. Yeah. Had their pecan pie. Let's go boo. For fucking Thanksgiving. You better work. Ah, yeah. Make sure you go check it out. It's like that. Like also dancers like Emroy are videographers and content creators. My husband and I are all of a sudden on to finances. It's 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 crazy where dancers are still striving for the passions on top of that, adding a different hustle, which they know will benefit also in the long run. Yeah. It's it's blessing. It really is. Do you think dancers are ever going to find a place where it's like a traditional job? Like, oh. the, like the plan I shared with you earlier with temper tantrum. But do you think, I mean, that's just one potential future. But do you think it would ever happen as a mainstream thing? Oh, man. I'm constantly fighting for that. I'm constantly fighting for that. I'm fighting for it. But <laughs> we all know that when we are giving our artistry it really isn't consistent it's it's consistent for us to keep going but will people notice it will people invest in it will people acknowledge it the same rate as your other one or the previous one or the future one we we just never know it's a constant gamble hmm. and, and and so it, it really is and all we can do i'm not gonna lie like like I, my biggest competition isn't People. My biggest competition is. Mm, <laughs> I hate him. Like the the my biggest competition is one upping my previous piece, and that gets harder and harder every time. But then I came to a point where I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just gonna make me feel good. Mm. I'm gonna just do me, mm. and rather than competing, like it's got to be better than the previous one. I'm like, I'm just gonna so. say what's from the heart. And, and Emory even saw that, like, not my recent one, but it, it was something that I did portray in 2019, like somewhere yeah. around October or November. The that, studio one? Yeah. yeah. I, I utilized, yeah, I, I utilized rehearsal footage as a concept video because of the memories that was taken away from us that was supposed to be planned before mm. this pandemic. And, and it also touched many hearts because studios were closing because people don't think it is essential. People couldn't afford to run their own dance studio business anymore. Yes. Yeah, not, not just closing because of the lockdown, closing as an out of business, out of business. And it's, and it sucks. Yeah. And I'm an advocate for that because I'm like, we need to keep these, this art striving or all of that because not everyone, even though I do find that this online platform is going somewhere, it is helping, but it, it's not for everyone. Yeah. You know, it's it still have, it's still giving me an adjustment on how to teach online, of course. So, but yeah, like it's, it's so crazy that. 
I, I really think that for those who are future dancers who are trying to get into the field, I say consistency is key. And this is the time to start building your reels, start, start doing headshots, start building your brand in some way, shape or form and not being afraid of what you want to share to the world. You know, I mean, how would they even do that if they're locked down? Well, you do. I'm being completely honest. Like there's got to be some footage back in the day or even before this pandemic where you filmed yourself, right? Mm. Doing dance. Even even you just freestyling in your living room. If you're part of a if you're part of a program, a goal setting program and they ask you to dance, post that. You know, it's don't be afraid of posting who you are because I, for a fact, I'm not, especially with my artistry. With finances, that's a different story, but that's a different subject. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm growing in that one and, and I'm thankful for that. But for dance, I've been doing this for years and it's definitely a huge passion of mine to tell dancers to like, you know, just keep going. Even if you feel so insecure, if it doesn't look good, the fact that like, if you tell the audience, like, yo, I'm still growing, I'm still learning. I just wanted to share this to the world. They're going to acknowledge that and you have supporters regardless. Yeah. I mean, it, I haven't choreographed anything in like outside of locking or breaking in a long time. I shared, you saw that yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. It was like, it was kind of nice to get some feedback, positive feedback. Yeah. So just, I think vulnerability is something uh, that's scary and powerful at the same time because it has such a, it can have such a negative connotation because vulnerability allow means allowing yourself for in a sense attack, but vulnerability also allows your out leaves you an opening for acceptance and yeah. embrace and, and speaking of vulnerability and this is definitely and i don't think emory knows this but if you think about it you guys when you perform in a group you blend and you're proud of showing how this group how you with this group show yeah but we're in this pandemic where we cannot be with a group at this time. Yeah. And the only person that is accountable and who you can film is just you. Mm -hmm. So they're only watching you. Mm -hmm. And I need to grasp that too. I'm not going to lie. Like TikTok videos, I'm just like, what the, what the fuck am I going to do? Uh, I, I, even reels, I'm just like, what the hell am I going to do? And I, I too need to push my boundaries because I'm so used to vibing with a class. Yeah. I'm so used to vibing with people. And, and, and it's true. Filming just yourself is a vulnerable place. And there's also Snapchat spotlight. Oh my God, is there a spotlight? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just telling you guys, everyone's on the whole Reels and TikTok thing. There's also Snapchat spotlight. So, so, so Snapchat, you on that team? Oh, yeah, because apparently Snapchat's giving a, fra a portion of a million dollars for the highest viewed spotlight video. Well, I'm not going to do that unless we like kill, like, like slap somebody. <laughs> like slap it and then we'll get a million dollars, I guess, because uh, people love that shit. Uh, I mean, I don't know. By the time this comes out, I don't know if it, it, it's still happening, but that's what Snapchat is currently doing now. Oh my God. So. And he's talented. I, I have no idea what it is about marketing and he's living my biggest dream. My, my biggest dream was to eventually pay my dancers and I have once, <laughs> but he paid temper tantrum and not with his money. <laughs> it was like, oh my God. It was, it was literally like from the community. It was from donations. It was from Patreon. And I was like, that's inspiring. It was from the Kickstarter. Yeah. It's inspiring. He's living the dream. And I already knew that when you guys are choreographer, when you guys are a choreographer and you want to pay your dancers, you can't do it alone. Yeah. You, ju you just can't. You need people like Emma. You need a board. You need, like, it's good that you are that creative. But you need those people 
who are not on the creative and more logistic side to keep you on track because you're only focusing on the creative. And that's something that I wish I did with Lavad was as creative as we were, as fierce as we were, I wanted to pay my dancers, but there was, there was no way of doing that. And I was like, well, how can I do this? But Emory figured it out and he's amazing. I mean, I, I would consider my, I still, I consider myself an artist who figured out the business end. Yeah. Like, because those of you who don't know, I, I graduated in, in with a degree in animation. <laughs> so sounds and then, so amazing. And then I, I worked in the game, video game and movie industry for a bit. Then I started my own. Then I became a personal trainer, just to keep, uh, keep it simple. Then I started Then I started my own marketing. I started marketing as freelance. And mar- then I started my marketing agency. And now I started another dance company with Temper Tantrum. And then, you know, but either either way, it was like, I knew the stuff that I had to do in regards to the success I was envisioning. There was a lot of parts that I didn't understand that I had to, but like how John is obsessing with the, the mini parts with your business. I had to do that as well. Mm-hmm. I had to understand the importance of attention, email marketing, digital marketing, SEO, and all that stuff. So that's where I, I led me to where I am now. So one thing I was curious about, about Lavad, tell me about a little bit about Lavad conception, everything, because I know I'm pretty sure some people are going to be from Lavad who are currently on Temper Tantrum are going to be curious about this. Well, I will, I will, I will just admit that. You're all little bitches. That's oh what y'all are. Just kidding. Love you guys. Because you're, no. you're currently on Temper Tantrum too. No, no, like, <laughs> I will say this. I'll be so stupid. No, no, he, no, Cosmic has, has been a huge blessing in my life. And they were the very first dance crew that I, that was exposed to me in college. And I loved every moment of it being their president and being one of the co-founders but there was a moment in my life also when i not only was i training with cosmic but i started getting more involved in the industry and that was when i started becoming a debbie reynolds intern at that time and i started questioning why's like why do we need to do this why do we need to do that why do we do need to do this Hmm. and and nothing was wrong with any of the answers that they gave me it was for the good of the team. And I, res- I I give mad respect to that. But that also showed me that like, I should start going on my own to experience other things. Mm. And there was nothing wrong with that. If any of you have had hostile feelings of that, I apologize. But in order to grow, you need to leave the nest. That's true. And I'm a strong believer of that. I, I'm not that type of, I'm also with that with my students. I'm kind of like, if you took everything from me, then there's no longer anything that I can teach you. It's mm. it's time for you to grow and That's find true. something else. And and I love that because I'm, I'm just always forever thankful that I was a part of my student's journey. That's what matters to me even more. And so, so after that, after Cosmic, I waited a good year or two to figure out like what exactly is my niche and my style. And as soon as 2016 hit, specifically January of 2016, I just posted a friendly post about like whoever's interested of doing an all femme squad hit me up and our first rehearsal was this day and 25 to 35 people showed up. That's a pretty good turnout. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I did not expect that. And Were you it, overwhelmed? I was excited because this was the first time I was creating and conducting a squad of my own. Now the thing that really got me like I had to take out was I could not perform in it. That was the biggest sacrifice I had to do. Did, wait, did it like, like, oh, that sucks? I was like, 
Oh, I don't have to perform. Well, so remember that two years span that I was like, like I before Levad, after I quit Cosmic, that was my time to be like, let me get used to the fact of not being in my pieces. So I created an all guys piece and an all girls piece, but I wasn't in it. Oh. And, and that trained me to be like, okay, I don't have to beat my pieces. So I decided to create a bigger squad and Levon came to um, play. And thank you to uh, Cameron Shim, Tim, and Jonathan Kim for helping me find that name. Mm. And Levon is a French name that means something about burlesque in theater. And I was like, I like that name. Okay, let's keep it. And I was just like Levon, and I was like, I, and and it it ended up being a really good squad for years, for a good two two years. It was one of the fiercest squads I've ever got myself involved in, and so and it taught me how to be a leader. It taught me how to be this choreographer. It taught me how to be my like be my own leader. But it also taught me like. I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> it taught me it to be like, you, huh? it was just me. It taught me like, holy shit, I am all alone. And I was, and at the same time, it taught me like, you probably are a control freak, Liz, and you shouldn't be here. And, so, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, how am I doing this by myself? And I already knew that I, I already knew that I was such a good creative and keeping a squad together and bringing people together because that's that was my biggest goal. I love bringing people together, but bringing in that income, marketing, the other logistics that I'm like, shit, I had no idea in. That's why I would have to say temper tantrum is a huge success. Because <laughs> it's, just, it's only our, not even our first year. Our first official year would come be happen on 20 days from now. No, and it's true. Like, temper tantrum, like, I'm thankful to be one of their artistic directors because, like, and look, they got paid. I'm just like, oh, the dream. And, I, and I'm <laughs> thankful I'm a part of that dream because me, I personally didn't pay them, but I was involved in a squad that got paid. You know, I'm I'm thankful for that. And I mean, it's because of Emory. The next rehearsal, you guys will give in. You'll give, you guys will pass out the checks. <laughs> oh, I hope so. And, and so, but Lavad was kind of like my my breakaway from being in a squad, and I wanted to be that choreographer. And it's because of Lavad I built a name for myself. Yeah, you did. You really fucking did. And I'm thankful. And and you know, like I've accepted that. Like, hey, not everyone probably agreed with my direction skills, and I and I will learn from that. Of Fuck course. you guys. I'm just <laughs> but it's true though. Like, not everyone's gonna be satisfied by the way I direct. That's true. And, you can't win them all. I can't. I can't. You know, and it's okay. And I I learned from that. And I apologize if I did hurt anybody. But in reality, I was not a competitive team. I that I was such a. Far, the choreography you put was such a far cry from competitive choreography too. Far cry? Far cry meaning super different. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean by far cry? Uh, they were far but crying. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's like, it's not like the typical stuff you would see from the competitive careers of right. like Fambiz or GRV or Choreo Cookies or right. anything like that. It's not the same. It's and super different. Super different. And, but, and they also felt good doing the choreography. Yes, they were tired and exhausted, but it was, it was very memorable in my opinion. And, and I loved the last two years and I loved where I left it. I left it at, I believe our last performance was at City Watch. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, damn, this is one hell of a way to go to... To leave. To, uh, yeah. Yeah, and because of that, because of that launch of our last show, I booked the job of being City Walk's exhibition dance director, and I'm very thankful for that. What do you call it? 
so how how are you approached? Like right after right after you finish, like walking off stage, the guy just hit you up. Like, hey, you he, dance person. He he hired right now. <laughs> well, thank you to Stuart. He said we are going to talk again, and oh, and he and he kept in shit. touch. He kept in touch with me, and he ended up being a really good friend of mine. And he he's super amazing, so inspirational, human, and. Yeah, I, I'm thankful that I was able to. And I'm not going to lie. I also have to give mad props to Walter Moran because he... Oh, shit. He Walter. In, yeah, Walter, he introduced me or he gave me the name of Stuart. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that your story is a kind of a really classic case of like what happens if you you take a chance on yourself and you bet on yourself in like the long term. I will, I will always give credit to where, to, you know, where everything started. Because... Yeah, I mean, because the way you're running rehearsals, I would not have known it was your first time, like running a whole crew like that. Because I was like, I took bits of like how you organize rehearsals and implemented it for myself. Well, I will so. say this: I, I I learned from Cosmic, but I wasn't the greatest at it. And then I was like, let me refine this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was moment like I can say the same when I was running Fanbiz. So <laughs> there was elements I knew I needed to work on running yeah. Fanbiz. And I knew, you know, it just, I felt like I was refining that. There's an agenda. Yeah. They, yeah. Especially, especially with uh, what? Early days of Temper Tantrum when it was just a project. Because the only reason Temper Tantrum exists is because of her. You're welcome. So, <laughs> so it, she's like, in a sense, like the, the godmother, like Temper Tantrum godmother. Fairies. <laughs> so that, in a sense of, because she, you invited me to do my, the, the solo show. And he's then, been, he's been. So MRI has been the consistent solo of that exhibition. Solo choreographer. Like the first, I, the first one I did was a solo. I was scared because I was like, fuck, man. Did I say yes? You said, no, no. The second time I said yes. yes. Because you're like, oh, I need locking. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I was, after that fucking the city walk one where I did my solo, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I, I, I don't have to. Do, I hit, I hit city I hit walk. Stage, you're like, done. I'm good. And he's like, no, we need locking. And I'm like, I was like, can your ass fucking do locking and she's like no i'm busy directing you you motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) and but you gotta admit that stage of city walk is not like any other stage yeah it's small it's small but it is also like the the crowds come like in and out but the crowds start once they start gathering it's fucking like it's huge fucking huge it's huge like it's like a con it's like a mini concert it's a mini concert every single time so yeah it's so that's kind of like the catalyst of it like i started the first one where i brought in a lot of people same people came in for the next one and people wanted it and that's one of the reasons i did temper tantrums because the group wanted it and like they wanted city walk again yeah they they they, uh, because I didn't want any any, and those of you listen to the podcast plenty of times, right? I you guys know that I didn't want any form of responsibility leading a dance company <laughs> because it's just a lot of responsibility, and that in running a yes. business and trying to be a, a dad, and the only reason I was gonna, only way I was gonna continue temper tantrums was if we found a way to make it profitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean. I don't know what's gonna happen with that potential, but we'll see what happens. Goes. A lot of opportunities are coming, are, are coming, coming from Crystal side and other sides. So, I'm, I'm, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, it's a company. So, it's a company now. Company, 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 company. Yes. All right. I'll see you. Jordan, tell your dad company. Say company to your dad. I love you guys. I'll see you guys over there and on Friday.
Because, you know, the whole business side, like time, and I didn't want to just go make a glorified hobby that took a, a million hours. Because mm -hmm. those of you who, who've, who have experience with running a team or choreographing, you know it takes time and it sucks to not get paid for that. So that's that became like the objective. One of the objectives for Temper Tantrum is to make it a profitable dance company and somehow make it <laughs> my dream for it to be is one of the first dance companies that pay it like a regular company where there's entry level senior level mid-level you know the c-suite and all that stuff like a traditional business but for dancers mm -hmm. like i mean how awesome would it be to be like to interview send your resume and kind of like uh, this is the style you can do and then because temper tantrum is kind of versatile and what guests what you're aiming for versatile and we do like you can fit a kind of like a certain thing we go for. It's inspiring. So. He he had this all planned out. I did it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. And that's why you need a board. And I think that's one thing too. Like I've learned from Fanbiz, like is when I learned, when I led Fanbiz on my own from 2004 to 2007, I was on my own. And when I brought Mark, you know, you- um, Mark Miranda. So he, when I brought him back Shout on, out. right after he graduated high school and brought some other people, it was a huge stress reliever of like, you know, you know, other people choreographing, other people booking things, other people, it was just the best part. So go obviously going into temper tantrum, taking in that lesson, like bring in people that you know who can get the job done. So I know choreography and all that stuff. I didn't, as much as I enjoyed it with my part, I'm like, I would like to keep it minimal. And they gave it to you, <laughs> you, whoever else in temper tantrum and Brandon. And then I just want to focus on the business logistics, obviously, because that way at the end of the day, my, I feel like my job is to, to bring in, build our brand, but make us profitable and somehow continue, have us continue earning money. Cause my, like my dream is to make this like super to make, I guess, a living wage or living income from this. No, yeah, you're right. Cause like when you guys are going to see the video soon, when I do the compilation of like dancers receiving their checks and some of them like tearing up, I'm like, damn, like how it, it and a lot of them saying like they earned like a hundred bucks out of it. Even she said that it's just, it's crazy. Cause it's like, it shows how undervalued that dan undervalued dancers are. Like, I'm so proud of Emre for doing that. Like, he took my dream away from me. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but not necessarily. I will say this. Like, I'm thankful for Emre because I I have been part of gigs where, I, where the choreographer, not sorry, if the, the artist paid, but it was so minimal. But like, Emre, like, he paid his dancers like, oh my God, like, it was so beautiful. And I'm just like, hell yes. And I'm, I'm just thankful that like, someone's got to do that. It may not be me, but it, it's definitely someone that I know that I hold dear to did that. And that's why like, whoever's trying to like, create a company like this, where your goal is to pay your dancers for their services, like you can't just do it by yourself. You, you need the creatives, you need the business side, you need the logistics. That's why a board is essential in a dance community. It's important. You can't do everything. I mean, Hey, if you can, Amen to you. But I know in my journey, I didn't know how. That's such a hard pill to swallow. It, it really is. Because it's like that you can't do everything. You can't do everything yet. Because that means having to rely on others. And then that means admitting your weaknesses. So. Yeah, like like Emory choreographed like, like four counts of eight. 
that's all he did but he directed the whole entire thing on top of that worked on like trying to get us compensated he had brandon and i like mostly brandon i will say i just assisted incorporating our artistry within the temper tantrum we also had the amazing crystal that's the logistics keeping that family together and you need those people you really do and like that's definitely something like i wish i did with lavad because i mean i wanted lavad to be paid but but I will say this. I'm thankful where we went to because... Yeah, you guys... Yeah. I, I will say that. Yes, I'm thankful to the stages we went to. But yes, there was no compensation. But it, it was a beautiful experience that I know I can't replace. It's, yeah, it was a really cool experience. Like no other company or... Yeah, what have I ever performed on the Clippers floor, the Lakers floor. Lakers floor. Fuck. Ah! And the Nike... Three, uh, three on three. three, on three. Shit, those are epic. So, and then perform at, on on Carnival for multiple times. So that 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 was a really good great opportunity. Jete, yeah. So love you, Tiffany. <laughs> love you, Carrie. Love you, Paulette. But I'm like, yo, it's late. But yeah, so that's definitely one thing that we we're talking. The goal is to pay my dancers. What what how what they do with it ultimately is up to them. Which is something that Liz and I were talking about. Which is have like financial literacy for dancers because it's definitely yes. i think a gap in the market in regards to oh and catch mri in my podcast very soon too oh yeah yeah so make sure you check that out it's like what, what do you think are some of like the more common mistakes that that dancers don't get when when it comes to handling the money it's because dancers are living gig to gig gig to gig play not check, consistent play it's yeah. not like you know unless they have a part-time gig or whatever that, that that brings in consistent but a lot of them are living on that hustle pre pre-corona but even then like what are some of them you, you know what are some of the mistakes that you see them do i or mean don't do i mean everyone i mean everyone needs to handle their money a lot more i mean that, that not just dancers just everybody but i think it really starts with the spending habits it starts there like um not going out so much not going like i'm being honest not going out to eat so much with your friends like learn how and learn how to cook uh not not shopping so much not like oh i need shoes to dance i'm all like no you have shoes to dance you've been surviving off of that you don't need new things until it's completely gone like really being more resourceful and really knowing what you need and what you want so it starts with the spending habits first and then here's another thing that i really want to share to the whole world is that like yes know and learn about not just where you're spending your money and not just how you're budgeting your money, but where you are putting your money. And you you really need to be careful and educate yourself with money. And that's the one thing that me and my husband really wanted to do was if we were to earn more money, even though I, we're blessed to where we are, we're, we're educating dancers or high school students, not high school, college students, and he's doing physical therapy. We are great with money and we are blessed with money and we know what to do with our money. But the one thing that we wished we did back in our 20s or even in our teens, <laughs> I'm being honest, is to really value it a lot more. Yeah. Learn about the 401k. Learn about the Roth IRA. Learn about like tax-free taxes, the different accounts that they offer. Yes, it sounds boring. And you're like, yo, I'm not going to need this. But I'm all like, you guys, you invest your money in classes. You invest your money in shoes. You invest in money in trainings. You invest in so much money just for the choreographer to notice you. You have to learn where your money is going and learn to control where your money is going and take ownership 
of that money. And the one thing that I really want to share with dancers is you're going to constantly invest being that professional dancer. Mm -hmm. You're going to constantly invest. And yes, go for it. Invest, invest, invest. Get those headshots. Get those reels. Get those auditions. Nail it. But once you get that dream gig, what is the plan? That's the question I want to ask all my dancers. What is your plan? Because if you're going to just spend it, all of it on something, Mm. you need to replan. Yeah. Just take, put all that in fucking put it to rent or put it in some yeah and i'm just like we're my business with my husband is just to educate our dancers in different vehicles diversifying their portfolios knowing where to put their money and investing in the right places because i'm being honest my family never taught me that yeah and I, the only, the only advice, and it was useful advice, I will say this, was don't spend what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And, and they are absolutely right, but that's all they told me. When I'm like, there's a strategy to it. There's a game to it. Just like how you guys are investing, you know the game on how to get noticed with your choreographers. You know the game on how to invest in getting those headshots and getting those reels to get noticed to promote yourself as a dancer. Yeah. It's the same thing with finances. It's the same exact thing. And, and I, and my husband and I just want to create that safe space for all of you dancers to discuss finances because you will get there. You will, because finances is everywhere. You, you, you're saying like, no, finances isn't everything, but I'm kind of like this camera <laughs> that I'm talking to right this, now. This camera I'm using is, is $1,200. There you go. That's a, it's rent for some people. The camera, the, the, <laughs> where you're watching me on YouTube right now, that costed money. The YouTube, no, but the phone or the tablet you are, or the computer you are watching me right now has to do with money. The place, like look around the four walls, that's money. So it's not everything, no, but it is a part of our lives. Covers a lot of things. It does. And we just want to be that safe space for you all. That's all we want to do is just to educate, help you go and get to the next step with your finances, plus enhancing your artistry that's yeah because it's hard to be an artist because i hate the term starving artist yeah no i hate and that, that that's one of the reasons like i, I didn't want to do temper tantrums like i don't just want, i didn't just want a bunch of fucking starving artists no we don't want to starve like, artists and i i consider myself like a, a proud capitalist yeah <laughs> but like not in the sense of like you know taking advantage of people and more in the sense of like capitalizing on our gifts to be of service to other people. Mm-hmm. Like I aimed to, I fought really hard to make sure that my dancers were paid a fair rate. I pay, pay my vision paradox employees at a rate that, that they deserve. And you want people to be happy with, with their artistry. It's different when you're an artist who's desperate versus an artist who is coming from a place of abundance. So the only way you come from abundance is not, you know, you don't think about abundance and be like, oh, it's going to happen. You have to be able to take care of what's in front of you. Yeah. And if you don't, and it's, you know, it's almost like, you know, I know you motherfuckers have the <laughs> chair or the bed where you throw all the clothes on there and you leave it. <laughs> you know, it's like that, you know, and we, and I have, to, I have that too, but it's un- not until you take care of it, you know, like all the dirty laundry and that it's, you know clean so to speak yeah so so like so it's 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 the same like i think it's many aspects as well there's many aspects in our lives that were our dirty laundry is just there we're not taking care of it 
So finances, I think, is just one domain of life. Obviously, personal health is one of it. Family, loved ones, mental health. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of aspects. It's going to be different for everyone. Amen. But it's going to be, but it's definitely everything at least needs to be maintained or at yes. least acknowledged. And I do go by this quote by Ed Milet that is uh, really good, like really well known in our uh, financial business. But he mentioned that like the that normal quote that everyone says, like, don't work harder work smarter but Mm -hmm. he actually said he didn't believe in that and i'm like oh my god so what does he believe in he said like yes work smarter but also work harder and i'm like oh i like that well it's because like you you need to be smart with your money you need to be a smart dancer whenever you guys are on that audition you have to be smart with your finances and whatever it is that you're going to be prepared for life you have to prepare yourselves mentally physically and emotionally that that's just working smarter but harder is because you know you're passionate about it you know you want that job you know this is something that you want to do for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong even though i'm adding this avenue of finances I didn't give up on dance ever. I will never give up on dance. That's my first love. And I will, it's like, and that's going to be my number one passion before finances. This is just some, like, like I said, we just want to be this bridge to create the safe space that like, Hey, we are here for you. If you need absolutely any help, because we've been through it. Yeah. I think to bounce off work smarter, not harder. Or it's flipping it to work smart then hard. It's the very same thing being efficient versus being effective. Mm-hmm. A lot of people try to be efficient first before being effective. For example, if your job in a fucking, if you work in a kitchen is to wash dishes, you know, and you're trying to get, I don't know, become head chef, mm-hmm. you don't, be, you don't get more, you don't get to the next level by washing dishes faster. No. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't, your job is to be a choreographer. You know, you, 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 you're, you don't get to that. It's not effective to always be taking classes because in that sense, you're always going to be a dancer. To be effective is to find the thing that moves the needle forward. So if you're in working in the kitchen, working on the craft of cooking, so you can become a sous chef. Or if you want to be a choreographer, choreograph every single day. So it's finding that. So that's working smarter than to be efficient is work what find what's effective and double it down so Amen. so if you're going to be effective choreographer how can you be faster at putting out and creating output every single day because at the end of the day as a choreographer it's the choreography you put out so can you do it once a week twice a week every single day you increase your output you increase your practice you're effective and working harder at the same time so be effective first before you are efficient let's go so <laughs> <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say let's go so, so yeah i mean just to not to not to not confuse that because a lot of people are working faster but they're going nowhere fast oh my gosh it's we're a big believer of it's all about the quality not quantity yeah because uh, yeah and that's one thing that I like to bring into temper tantrum because we're doing a lot of these extra trainings i think at the, like when i first started like I don't want to do any extra training. So I'm like, you should be, you should be knowledgeable. At least in the craft, but that doesn't mean like we're close to adding additional trainings to better our, our company. Like if you want to bring someone to teach you guys a style, we'll do it. But we also want to add other things that will make them, I think, be not just a well-rounded dancer, but a well-rounded individual. Yes. Because like in the end of the day, I, like again, this goes back to me like, oh, I want to pay my dancers, 
but what they do with that money is up to them. I don't want to be, end up paying dancers, you know, say I'm paying them 1500 a month and they're still fucking broke. What's the point of that then? So that's, that's the point of it, like of having to teach them like how to handle their money. Cause I know people who are earning or earning some pretty good money, but fucking sp- have shit spending habits. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then other things I wanted to add for Temper Tantrum is obviously learning how to be- become their own personal brand. Because like I was telling you guys, I'll, I, I believe that the personal brand is going to be the, the ultimate leverage eventually in any future economy for any, as a, whether it's a micro influencer, nano influencer, it's going to give you leverage separate from the company you're working for. Because once you have, if you have a platform, you have attention, which is what people will buy. So, which is what I'm trying to do with temper tantrum. Like my idea, and I think, I'm not, I don't know how often I've shared this, my idea is that everyone in temper tantrum is like a cast, mm-hmm. like on Friends, like, oh, <laughs> that's a Joey. That's a Joey. That's a Rachel. That's a Monica. So when like, when people look at us, oh, that's, like that's a list, such a list thing to do. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking because um, ultimately people connect with personalities, which is why I'm doing the podcast. I love that. So, and then people buy into the personalities and then people potentially buy merchandise or whatnot, but those, but ultimately people buy into those personal brands and those personal brands, you know, I want my dancers to have their own personal brands. So, so much so that they can eventually leave temper tantrum to do things on their own because it's cool if they stay, even better if they leave because they can, not because they suck, <laughs> but even, but to the point where they can support themselves, mm-hmm. which is like, I don't know, it sounds weird because I don't think any employee or employer wants their employees to leave, but like, I'd like them to be able to do that because then. Because they got to grow eventually. Yeah, because then they grew into their own thing and they blossomed out of it. But who knows? I, there's a, these are they're nice little things I'm imagining for the company. We're only like under a year in, but it, we got some nice wins. We got a Kickstarter funded. We got two films coming out. So, but yeah, shit. I mean, I, I guess this is like the start of the quote unquote start of the year. Is there anything you're excited for the year? Oh man, this year is unpredictable, but I'm ready for it. Honestly, like Emory knows, I'm into spec ads right now. <laughs> Dude. I'm so jealous that you did that because the minute you started doing it, because that was one of the things that Temper Tantrum did. Oh, I had it had in our like itinerary of projects. I'm like, oh man, she's she's already got it ahead of the game. Yo, Emory killed it in the Nike. I will say this, my favorite one so far. As much as I love Nike and I love the truffle, like the the New Year's one took me though. The one with the uh, Stella? Yeah. Oh, that one's good. I like. I really like because the cutting for that the one cutting was was, was really it was smooth, fluid. smooth. Thank you, Chris Allen. Shout out. Shout and- out to Chris Allen. You brilliant motherfucking <laughs> bitch. <laughs> it was so good, and I was like, oh my god, it, it really got you into the feel of how it was back in the day, like in the clubs or just lounging around drinking wine. And so I, I would have to say the Stella Rosa spec ad was the hardest one for me. And thanks to Chris Allen, he was all saying like, so what is the purpose? What do you do on New Year's Day? Are we following the wine? And and it was so great. Like Chris Allen had all these brilliant questions and I'm just like, <laughs> those are good questions. Huh? I'm like, what do you think? <laughs> and, but he pushed my boundaries and and I think that's what every choreographer needs. A director needs to question the choreographer and, and envisioning this vision. And even if it was only for like a minute, yeah. it, 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 it's it a lot was, of work for a minute too, huh? It was a lot of work. I was exhausted and I'm like, Oh my goodness. It was so good. And there wasn't any dance scenes. It was movement. 
but there was no dance scenes and I loved it. I'm like, oh my goodness, Emroy, we have to do this for PayPal. We have to do this for Venmo, like all these apps. I am so down. And, but yeah, it, it was a great experience just to, you know, that you can create for something more. Yeah. I think that, that doing these spec ads definitely like opened us up with, for a variety of things. Cause you know, there's a lot of people doing concept videos, but they're not exactly like a lot of people are doing it. No, That's the thing. It's, it's overly saturated. It so is. I wouldn't be surprised if the next five years from now, people are starting doing their spec ad concept videos for fun. For fun. Because, I mean, because it shows proof of concept and it shows initiative. Because, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, they would much rather be presented an idea that's practically like 80% done and with, rather than them try to figure it out. That's like I think that's a, a leg up when it comes to trying to mm-hmm. present an idea to or pitching an idea to any brand. You know, a part of it is a part from like having your own audience. But if you have an idea, shoot, uh, roll with it. Yeah, and make it happen. I make mean, it I, happen. I think was it Edgar Wright? Yeah. Ed, no, like there's a couple of directors that I follow. A lot of them. He's he was the director of Hot Fuzz. No, no, Hot Fuzz. Oh my God, Hot Fuzz. Uh, the police. Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Baby Driver. Have you seen that one? And Scott Pilgrim. Yes. <sighs> great Scott director. Pilgrim was great. Like he, all he did, all he did when he first started filming, or before he went even to, art, to uh, film school was he just started filming his own indie films in his own town. Oh my God, that's awesome. And it was like, and he, all he did was try to emulate the directors he liked and then i think you know there's a whole saying of imitation is the best form of flattery and so i think it's also a great form of you know learning how to learning how the directors think like yeah. sometimes when i'm writing certain things i rewrite the same sentence of from certain authors because then while you're writing it you're in your head thinking it and then you're processing it yes it's it's the creation it's yeah. the creative process it's it, beautiful it's the same thing with learning choreography in the sense you're learning the, pr- the thinking process from the choreography and it's and we're also applying that to finances too it's so crazy so yeah everything it, uh, it comes full circle you ready for some rapid fire questions oh shit sure okay so the, we're heading the, towards the last segment of uh the podcast uh, so you ready okay i'm a little <laughs> nervous but okay okay so i'm gonna try to find what time room. is it oh it's my god 2 12 this Ooh. is way past my bedtime yeah we're I'm gonna sleep in tomorrow yeah. Yeah, are you teaching tomorrow? No. Sleep in. Sleep in. <laughs> okay. What is something you're obsessed with? <laughs> I'm obsessed with my dog. <laughs> I see that. That's true. <laughs> I'm obsessed with my dog, Fudge. Don't judge me. I, mean, I, I see you, Diego. I see you. All of you. All of you. Yes, I is obsessed with my dog. I love her. What's the most rage-inducing game you've ever played? Oh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I'm gonna be real. It doesn't matter which one. Like I love Mortal Kombat. It gets me hype. I love getting. I love playing um, Melina. Oh dang! Yeah, I played that with Maxine. I lost because of bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I love Melina. She's a villain and she's the twin of Katana. So I'm down. All right. So what kind of things do you think are normal now, but you think will be valued antiques a century later? Zoom. Oh, that's a good one. I think Zoom. Zoom is so needed right now and it's 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 helped businesses it's helped us communicate and it's going to be considered an antique an antique because because we're, we're gonna have like holograms maybe, or, or I vr think so i think so too. shit that's a good one okay what dumb thing did you believe for a really long time santa claus 
<laughs> I'm gonna be That's absolutely. Wait, was, how old were you? Did you believe in Santa? I'm gonna be Claus? honest. I believed in it until I turned 29. No, John ruined. Uh, John John ruined the dreams for me. Really? Yeah. You really believe in Santa? I really Claus until believed I until I was 29. No one told you. No one told me. How did that happen? How did that go? So so my family played it really well. Yeah, I'm feel I'm for real. My family played it really well. So they actually left me a note, but I thought it was from Santa Claus. Santa Claus left me a note saying like, you know what, you are older now. I need to now take care of the other kids that are in need, but your family and your loved ones will definitely take it from here. Wow. So I believe Santa was a real thing. So I'm like, you know what? I'll take that. Santa Claus is real. And he, he he told it like it was. I'm just too old now, and it's it's up to that. And then on a road trip to to helping Mariko move back from Utah, John John literally said like, "Oh yeah, my family was Santa Claus." Like yeah, they told. It. And then I literally was like, "Santa Claus is not real." <laughs> I wish I could confirm this was John right now. John John, you can't. He's sleeping. John's sleeping, but he 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 ruined it. And I, I really thought Santa Claus was real for the rest of my life. Oh my god! I always wondered what would happen to an adult that believed it. Oh, can I, can I, <laughs> <laughs> I really thought Santa Claus was real. Don't judge me. I really thought until John told me that it was this family. Santa Claus isn't real. It's a pigment of imagination, and you know parents have to go along with it. And then I'm just like, wow! I believed in that for 29 years. Wow. Shut up. <laughs> uh, next question is: If you if you were a ghost, how would you haunt? Oh, how would I haunt? Yeah. Okay. So, oh man, I'm not sure. I never thought of that. But recently, this is something that I would use. So, you know, the Tesla. There was a recent TikTok where you're parked at a cemetery and you would see a person like you know like you would actually see in the hologram that a person's passing by or a car is passing by yeah you see a person pop out but in the cemetery you don't see it have you ever seen that mm. <gasps> what? do i need to just find that hologram hold on where's my phone <laughs> i was like where's my phone you've never seen that before no oh it's a clap and i'm all like really quickly oh it's genius this way oh my god this one I would haunt that way. That's fucked, dude. I don't like the soundtrack right now. I hate the soundtrack. That's it's the soundtrack, spooky, but it's man. just like, ah! It's genius. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, next question. If you could change your name, what would it be? Oh no, no. <laughs> I love my name. Even though people say it wrong, I will not change my name. I love Lizelle Marie. What's- Thank you, mom. Uh, what would they say? How would they? They say? would call me Lizel, Lizel, Lysol, Lizel. Ly- Lysol Marie. I'm gonna fucking make you into a meme now. Into Lysol. I hate Marie. you all. <laughs> I love my name. I'm gonna keep it that way. What's one of your favorite memories? Doesn't matter what. No. Oh shit. That's that's hard. That's hard. I have a lot of my good memories. We're just gonna pick one now. <laughs> I would have to say one of my best memories actually was like recently. Not recently, actually, but the one that's clearest to my mind. I'm pretty sure there's a lot more now, but it was the last bow on CityWalk stage with Levon. With oh, Levon. Oh, shit. Yeah, that was a good one. That's a, that was a memory. Really good one. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with the extra time? If I didn't have to sleep extra time? What would you do with the extra time? Oh, man. Probably work on the damn YouTube videos you've been trying to like force me to do. <laughs> no, I think I would use that time to, since majority of the day is work... 
I would use that time to self-care. Honestly, I would meditate. I would read a book. I would probably do my podcast and a lot more. I don't know. Like, that's a hard question. I would dance more. I'm not sure. All right. Two more rapid fire questions. What job would you be terrible at? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It used to be finances, but I, I started because terrible in math. But I think my, the I think construction. Oh, God. <laughs> I would, I would kill myself. I, I, I'm, I'm just bad luck with lifting wood, dealing with all I that. I mean, you seem to be doing well with John. Hey. I hate him right now. <laughs> I hate him right now. Yeah, John. <laughs> All right. Last rapid fire question. Where is your happy place? My happy place? Oh, it's always going to be the studio. Mm. It's always going to be the studio because you could just, or I'll be real. I, I would have to say John John and Emory might be the only ones that notice this because John John has seen me behind the stage and Emory has seen me behind the stage bef- right before you go on. Oh. He knows this. I sit smack in the middle of the stage right before we go on and yeah. just lie down there, stay grounded, listen to the audience just rumbling, just be in the moment that you know you're about to send a message to this audience regarding what it is. That's a, that place God, I miss that. is my happy place. And it's been a year. <laughs> It's been, it has been a year. It's been a year since I've, and, but you know what's so crazy? I can't do that with City Walk. That's another thing. I can't do that with City Walk because people see you. Doesn't know. They think you'd be some crazy lady. Exactly. <laughs> they might be like, who is this girl like sitting in the middle of the But like when you're behind that curtain, when you're just in the zone and you're just, no one's bothering you because all the performers know that you are in the zone. You just don't bother. Yeah. You just don't bother this person when you're in the zone. And and as soon as the director says, all right, gather up, it's like right before that moment. Mm. You know, that, that's a happy place because. Ooh. Yeah, because you're like just embracing that moment, that little anticipation before you go on stage. <sighs> that's why like I can't like the stage is just a forever place. Like I love content. I love creating concept videos. I love that. And it's such a great platform, but it's easily edited. Mm hmm. Where on stage you you can mess up, you can you can fuck up, <laughs> but how do you blend? How do you hide that? How do you adapt? And yeah, and so or not just you, maybe your partner is also a malfunctioning. The whole squad is malfunctioning. <laughs> what, what do you do? What do you do? And, and so I'm like, so there there was a moment where our whole squad didn't malfunction. I think it was a shoe train. Like oh my god, yeah, it was that just was, the simplest thing. It was the simplest thing, but we fucked up every time. And, <laughs> we fucked up every time we're just like why is this so hard and but it's that moment that i think that is my happy place because you're you're just you're you're just about to do something where you have no idea what the result is going to be until you do that final bow yeah that's true it's uh, a great place to be all right ready for the last two questions oh shit this is, is not this is not rapid fire questions though okay Okay, that, okay, was it? The rapid first rap- This is not the rapid fire segment is on now. It's the last two questions I asked the temper tantrum members. First one is what would you like people to say about you when you're gone? Oh, when I die? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, so can- so no, when, when I die. When you go to the bathroom and John talking John and I talk shit about you. 
<laughs> I was like, it's so funny because you know how we're like talking about life insurance and like just like, yeah. like how, what do you expect? I expect the diamond coffin. But, uh, oh my fucking God. I love it. No, no, no. I think the one thing that I definitely, when I'm gone from this earth and what is the certain people that I want them to talk about is just how the experience. The experience Liz gave, like whether it was good or deep or like, I'm not sure if I wanted that. At least it made you think. I think I I, I want to be known for giving you a meaningful or a transformational experience. Mm-hmm. Just like, uh, and I have to thank John John for that quote because of what we've been studying with finances. Mm-hmm. And it's true with dance. I All I want to do is if... Like, because a lot of my dancers that I teach at CSUN, a lot of them are non-dancers. So I do want to be like, just take one thing from me. And it even doesn't have to be dance. It could be a lifelong learning lesson. It could be something that you're going to take for the rest of your life or something that you're like, you know what? I'm not going to use that for the rest of my life, but at least you learned it from me. I I love that. Yeah. All right. Last question. This is called uh, The Three Truths. Learned, uh, learned this from, uh, yeah, it's from a podcast I got from Lewis House, School of Greatness. Oh, check it, uh, check it out. This is not a spade, a spade, a paid sponsorship or anything. It's, it's a really cool question though. So you're on your deathbed, you're at like 80, and, uh, you know, John's about to pull the plug on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy because we know this might happen. So it's a guarantee in life, death. <laughs> but uh, memento mori, death comes for us all. And you, and everything, all, all your work is gone. No content, none of it on YouTube. You TikTok or anything, then you're given a piece of paper to write down three pieces of advice to be successful. What would that be? Oh man, I would have to say the the one thing that I um, took from CJ Edwards. Thank you very much. I think the words that I will write will be inspired to impact. Two more, you know that, right? I have two more? Yeah. The three things to be successful. Oh, three things. Oh shit. Okay. Inspired to impact, do it with purpose and keep loving what you do. Oh, good one. That, that would be my top three. So inspired to impact because you you eventually do want to impact somebody that you know that is going to want to learn from you, regardless of whatever your artistry is. Do it with purpose because if you have no purpose, what is the reason? Mm. And the third one is, you know, like keep loving what you do because we live off of this world of like hustling and bustling and, you know, making sure we do everything on time and deadline and all of this. And we start getting this burnout, but you tend to forget why you did it in the first place because you love it. Yeah. And you need to remember why you love it. So I think that's my top three things to be successful is remembering why you love it, doing it with purpose and inspired to impact. That's good. All right. So what where can people find you to stalk you and like your comp like and comment and share? Oh, follow me at L A Y D E L A Z. Lady Liz. Fucking straight up started spelling. It's a fucking spelling bee now. At Lady Liz L A Y D E E L A Z. And also follow Art Essential or Not. Or check out her podcast. My podcast. Or if you're curious about learning about finances for artists or dancers all over the world so we can help you create the safe space. People all over the world. Boom. Lorico Financial Literacy. So that that is it. If you guys liked it, all, all the links and whatnot are going to be in the description down below. Uh, whether you're watching this on YouTube or on the Temper Tantrum channel or my channel or on the or just listening to it on Spotify. 
and whatnot. Everything's going to be in the links down below. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you give her a follow. He has re- I, th- I think this episode was pretty, really, really good. So uh, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it too. So make sure you hit like, subscribe, share this with friends who you think might enjoy it. And that's it. Give her a follow, show him some love. And until the next episode of Throwing Tantrums or Move, Groove, Grow podcast, we'll see you guys in the next one. And <laughs> sorry, I'm just, I'm just following what she's saying. Take so care. So we love you guys and having a great night, evening, morning, wherever the heck you guys are. Take care of each other and we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Oh, that was a good, good one. <laughs> Fuck it up.